It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. The less your business spends, the more margin you keep. But today, everything costs more. So smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one proven platform, helping you reduce IT costs, maintenance costs, and manual errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash earnings right now. NetSuite.com slash earnings. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Thursday, August 18th, 2022. Coming up this hour. The U.S. and Taiwan begin formal trade negotiations in a blow to China. Stocks pull back as the Fed considers the pace of rate hikes. Apple sets a target date for its next iPhone release. And a hearing today to determine whether to unseal the FBI's Mar-a-Lago affidavit. The war of words continues between New York Mayor Adams and Texas Governor Abbott. Plus, the CDC wants to hit the reset button. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stashauer in sports. Dramatic win for the Yankees. They beat the Rays on a 10th inning grand slam. The Mets held on to win in Atlanta. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston. Bloomberg 960 San Francisco. Sirius XM 119. And around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. Good morning, I'm John Tucker. And I'm Karen Moscow, and U.S. stock index futures are moving higher. It is 6.01 on Wall Street. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg, and futures have erased their losses. The S&P futures now up six points, and Dow futures up 37. NASDAQ futures up 22. The DAX in Germany is up eight-tenths of a percent. Ten-year Treasury up 5.30 seconds, yield 2.87 percent. Yield on the two-year, 3.27 percent. John. And U.S. futures are... Higher this morning, Karen. Minutes from the Fed helped boosting sentiment. Traders found some dovish elements from the central bank's July meeting. Lauren Gilbert, CEO of Wealthwise Financial, says there's uncertainty but still a chance for solid returns. Information technology services, we see that as an opportunity because unlike goods that have had the pricing pressures with good prices continue to go up, while you have wage pressure as well in services, you don't have the cost of goods issue. Lauren Gilbert with Wealthwise says technical indicators show markets could sustain a bull run in the months ahead. When it comes to the Fed minutes, John, Wall Street focused on central bank officials discussing the need to eventually dial back the pace of interest rate hikes. Eric Lund, principal economist with the conference board, said the important takeaway is that the Fed will remain data dependent in its approach. We all kind of figured they're going to at some point have to dial back 
the pace of the increases. It's a matter of at what rate and when. So with uh, the next meeting a little over a month off, we still have uh, quite a bit of data points that are going to be coming out between now and then that we're going to have to watch. Eric Lund with the conference board says if inflation continues to fall, the Fed will be well positioned to ease rate hikes. And Karen, we're also going to be watching for more economic data today. 8.30 Wall Street time, the Labor Department releases the latest figures on jobless claims. Economists predict a new high for the year with claims rising to 264,000. We're also going to get existing home sales for the month of July. The National Association of Realtors is going to release those figures at 10. Well, turning overseas now, John, stocks in Asia fell overnight as further downgrades to China's growth outlook soured sentiment. Bloomberg's Juliet Sally joins us from Singapore with the latest. Good morning, Juliet. Good morning, John and Karen. Goldman Sachs lowered its projection for China's GDP to 3% from 3.3%, citing weaker-than-expected July economic data, as well as near-term energy constraints. Nomura slashed their forecast to 2.8 from 3.3%. The Bloomberg median forecast from economists is now at 3.9%. Stocks fell in Japan, China and Hong Kong, and the Aussie was lower for a fourth session after almost 41,000 jobs were lost in the nation last month versus expectations of a 25 thousand job gain in singapore juliet Sali, bloomberg daybreak julia thanks now to geopolitics tensions with china remain front and center the u.s and taiwan now are set to start a start formal negotiations on a bilateral trade agreement that story from bloomberg's ed baxter This is the next step in what has become a very heated and very sensitive issue for China. The statement says the two have already started formal negotiations, but the first sit-down round will begin in early fall. They say it will cover trade facilitation, regulatory practices, anti-corruption standards, and deepening agriculture trade, among others. The statement says it will promote innovation and will deepen the relationship. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Ed, thank you. We turn to corporate news now, where news from Apple is front and center. The company is aiming to unveil its new iPhone next month. And Bloomberg's Renita Young joins us live with the details. Renita, good morning. Good morning, Karen. Bloomberg sources say Apple's big reveal of the iPhone 14 is expected to come on September 7th. The flagship product generates more than half of Apple's sales, and the update comes at a time when smartphone sales more broadly have started to slump as consumers cope with inflation and a shaky economy. The launch kicks off a busy fall product season for the tech giant, which will include multiple new Macs, low-end and high-end iPads, and three Apple Watch models. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. Renita, thanks. And sticking with corporate news, Walmart, CVS, Walgreens, they're getting hit with a big fine. The pharmacy chains were ordered to pay a total of $650 million over failure to properly monitor opioid prescriptions in the state of Ohio. It's the drug industry's latest setback in litigation over the painkillers. Well, John, on the earnings front, Cisco Systems came out with results that beat analyst estimates. Shares are up almost 5% in the pre-market after the company gave a bullish forecast. We get more from Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. Cisco is the biggest maker of machines that run the Internet and corporate computer networks. It said revenue will grow 2 to 4% in the fiscal first quarter from a year earlier. Analysts had predicted that sales would be roughly flat from a year ago when revenue was $12.9 billion. For fiscal 2023, the company expects sales to expand as much as 6%. The outlook suggests Cisco can weather a shaky economy and tech spending slowdown helped by better access to supply. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, thanks, Charlie. Bed, bath, and beyond. Another stock on the move this morning. Shares are down right now. 
14% in the pre-market as a big investor sours on the stock. Roy, uh, Ryan Cohen's RC Ventures says in a filing that it might sell as much as 7.7 million shares of Bed Bath & Beyond. RC, the retailer's second largest shareholder after BlackRock. Well, on the flip side, John, shares of Bluebird Bio are up more than 13% in early trading. The company's gene therapy for a rare blood disorder was cleared by U.S. regulators. Bluebird said it plans to charge $2.8 million for the first-ever one-time treatment. And coming up today, more earnings on the docket this morning. Retail and focus once again. We're going to get results from BJ's Coles and Estee Lauder. Right now, Dow Futures up 69. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. And that brings us to 6.07 on Wall Street. Time to bring in Michael Barr to find out what else is going on in New York and around the world. John, thank you very much. The war of words continues between New York Mayor Eric Adams and Texas Governor Greg Abbott. What the Texas governor is doing is just so anti-American. Mayor Adams says four more busloads of migrants who had crossed the border into Texas arrived in New York City yesterday. Abbott says he has been sending migrants to New York and Washington, D.C. to ease pressure on the state, blaming the Biden administration for the crisis. Mayor Adams said Governor Abbott is using the migrants as political pawns to strike out against Democratic-run cities. Those buses are leaving Texas and passing through other states and other cities. How about speaking to those mayors across uh, those cities and other governors? And state, how do we do this together? Governor Abbott responded to Adams, calling him a hypocrite. Why he's ever complaining for one moment about these people being bussed into a city goes against his own self-declaration of being a sanctuary city. Governor Abbott and Mayor Adams appeared on ABC's Nightline. Donald Trump's CFO is expected to plead guilty today to tax violations in a deal that would require him to testify about business practices at the former president's company. Alan Weisselberg is charged with taking more than $1.7 million in untaxed compensation from the Trump organization. Rudy Giuliani says he has satisfied his obligation after facing hours of questioning before a special grand jury in Atlanta. His appearance was part of an investigation into attempts by former President Donald Trump and others to overturn his 2020 election defeat in Georgia. The CDC director is planning a major overhaul of the agency after an internal review acknowledged missteps in its response to the COVID-19 pandemic. Dr. Rochelle Walensky, who ordered the internal review, is calling for a reset. We were operating with a frail public health infrastructure nationally, and we made some pretty public mistakes, and we need to own them. Dr. Walensky says the agency review found the CDC's COVID guidelines on masks, vaccines, and more have been confusing and overwhelming, echoing public criticism. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg Jump. Michael, thank you. And that brings us to 610 of Wall Street. Time now for the Bloomberg Sports Update. And good morning, John Stanshower. Right, good morning, John. Mets and Yankees had both lost the last two nights. Both teams last night had to sit through a rain delay. Both teams gave up seven runs and still won. And both debuted brand-new rookie third baseman for the Mets. It was 22-year-old Brett Beatty. He was their first-round draft pick in 2019. He's been tearing it up in the minors. And what a start to his big league career. 1-0 to Beatty. Hit high in the air to right field. Pretty deep. Back goes Acuna at the track. 
back at the wall, and it is gone. Brett Beatty, with his first major league swing, hits a home run off the top of the 16-foot high wall in right field. He salutes his parents on his way around third base. This kid is living the dream. On WCBS, Mets also got two home runs with Starling Marte. They led Atlanta 6-1, to 9-5 to in the ninth inning. They held on, beat the Braves 9-7 to to go back up by four and a half games in Jacob DeGrom pitches tonight. Yankees, of course, in a deep slump, called up 23-year-old Oswaldo Cabrera. He went 0-4 in his first game. Certainly looked like the Yanks were going to lose yet again. They trailed Tampa Bay 4 to nothing. They did catch up on home runs by Glaber Torres and Anthony Rizzo, but then they fell behind again. The Rays' Francisco Mejia, a three-run double with two out in the tenth off a roll this Chapman. And it was 7-4, bottom of the tenth. Josh Donaldson hit a game-winning opposite field. Walk-off grand slam. Yanks won 8-7. The upcoming U.S. Open is going to be dominated at least early on by it being Serena Williams' last tournament. Her sister, Venus, has won the Open over 20 years ago, has accepted a wild-card spot. John Stash Hour, Bloomberg Sports. John? All right, John, thanks a lot. Ahead of the Open on Wall Street. Futures right now are in the green. The down futures up 51 points. That's up about two-tenths of a percent. The S&P E-mini futures up eight points. And the Nasdaq futures 22 points higher. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. And just ahead, the Fed minutes, were they dovish? We're going to speak with Jennifer Lee, Senior Economist at BMO Capital Markets. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Tape. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. U.S. stock index futures have reversed losses in a volatile session after the Federal Reserve signaled a delicate balancing act that would see inflation-busting rate hikes continue despite a weakening economy. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures up five points this morning. Dow futures up 32. And NASDAQ futures up 12. The DAX in Germany is up eight-tenths of a percent. Ten-year Treasury up four-thirty seconds, yield 2.88 percent. The yield on the two-year, 3.28 percent. Nine Crude oil is up 1.1 percent, up 98 cents at 89 dollars nine cents a barrel. Comex gold is up four tenths percent, or seven dollars ten cents at 17.83 80 an ounce. The euro 1.0172 against the dollar. The British pound 1.2065, and the yen 135.21. And Bitcoin this morning is up four tenths percent at 23,500 dollars. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael, Karen, thank you very much. A court is expected to decide today whether to make public the full affidavit used to justify the FBI raid at President Trump's Mar-a-Lago home. The Justice Department has objected to the affidavit's release, saying it would compromise the investigation. CDC Director Dr. Rochelle Walensky is calling for a reset of the agency after an internal review faulted the CDC's response to the COVID pandemic. She wants the agency to share information faster and in plain language. In baseball, the Yankees won with a dramatic grand slam against the Rays, 8-7 in 10 innings. 
The Mets beat the Braves 9-7. The Red Sox and A's won. The Nationals, Orioles, and Giants lost. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg John. Michael, thank you. 620 on Wall Street. We're live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. A minutes from their last meeting show the Federal Reserve officials agreed last month on the need to eventually dial back on the pace of interest rate hikes. Let's take a deeper dive this morning. Joining us at BMO Capital Markets Managing Director, Senior Economist Jennifer Lee. Hey, Jen, what is your takeaway? Well, good morning. Um, you know what? The, uh, the takeaway is that uh, I think the Fed, much like most of the other central banks these days, are on that whole uh, they're, they're abiding by that whole we're not on a preset course kind of view. Um, you know, they continue to see that there's little evidence of inflation pressures cooling off um, and that it's going to take a while for this to happen. But, you know, at some point they're, you know, they're also looking for GDP to be revised upward, which was, uh, which I thought was quite interesting as well. But it basically sounds like, you know, we, we that 75 basis points are probably not in play. And it just supports our call for another 50 basis point hike um, in, in September and, and the, the meeting afterwards. But I think they're just going to be very data dependent, wait and see what happens. And I think that's definitely the right um, mindset to be in. Well, you say little evidence of cooling off on the inflation front. So why would the expectations go down to 50 basis points at the next meeting? Because if, uh, you know, I mean, we're not back, we're not at 9.1% anymore. And again, you continue to, you know, you, you have seen... Um, one month of data, um, an inflation report last week that shows some cooling off, um, but you're going to need a lot more than that. So I think to that, you know, and plus at that point they didn't have the, the inflation report anyway. So I think they're they're going to see they need to see at least you know a few months of of downward pressure on inflation before they start dialing back even further than that. But 75 basis points was already an aggressive move, and I don't think that's necessary at this point. Do they have to torpedo other stuff like uh, a full employment to to get there? Oh man, I hope it's no. I hope nobody has to torpedo anything. But you know, all of these moves, um, whether it's seventy-five or fifty, you know, a series of them are supposed to have that intended effect of slowing economic growth. And it's already we're already seeing that. We saw that in you know, for example, this week that big nine point six percent dive in housing starts. We're already going to see another you know setback as well in existing home sales. So the, the whole impact of this is just to cool demand. And we're starting to see that, and hopefully it's not going to torpedo um, employment. Uh, although, you know, uh, you know the, the the big gains that we saw in payrolls, you know, is definitely a thing of the past. Okay, Jackson Hole meeting uh, more important than usual this Fed symposium. You know, um, I'm going to be treading lightly on this one. You, you have to say yes because we're sending a lot of people there. <laughs> I heard, I heard. You know, it's, it's obviously, it's, you know, it's, it's like the who's who uh, in the world of finance that will that will that will always be in attendance. Although I think I missed my invitation again for the, you know, upteenth year in a row. Um, but you know, at the same time, I have to think. You know, I don't know what more he could add to what they've already been saying you know they're trying to be as clear as they can with their communications and, and being as compelling as they as they can possibly be you know they just look for these just continue to look for more evidence uh and you know they might ask you know what what is it going to take and that might be uh, the, the more interesting thing to talk about and maybe even talk about you know when they're actually going to start seeing rate cuts although that thing that for us is not until probably a 2024 uh, uh um move Okay, uh, adding to the difficulties in all this, remind everybody, there is a, there's a lag period between implementation and when you actually see if the policy's working or not, right? 
Um, a little bit of a lag, but, you know, I mean, you're seeing, you know, as soon as you start raising rates, you know, the, the banks start raising rates as well. Um, it, it does filter through fairly quickly, so that's why you're seeing, um, especially on the housing front, and that's why you're seeing, you know, such a big dramatic um, um, decline right now um, in, in some of the housing data. Uh, although at some point, you know, I mean, of course at some point, you know, there's also going to be that impact of high prices as well, at which buyers were already dealing with. Um, so this added increase in borrowing costs is just going to make things a little bit more difficult for those who are trying to get back into the housing market. Okay, so from the market participant perspective, was this uh, dovish, not dovish, or I mean, how do you Give me the bottom line here. For me, I'm, if I had to pick, if I was back into a quarter, I would say it's a little bit um, more, slightly more dovish, I think, um, than one would expect. And again, they're going to keep raising rates. They're just not going to go 75 basis points. So instead, if you're going, if you're going to say from 75 to 50, if we want to call that dovish, you know, that's the, the leaning I would take. But, you know, they're still going, and, you know, we still have them raising rates for the last three meetings of this year. Are we going to avoid recession, technical recession, however you want to define it, about 20 seconds? We we have a negative quarter uh, priced in or penciled in for early next year. It's going to be it's going to feel like recession, but maybe not the true definition that the NBER would 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 lean on. BMO Capital Markets Managing Director, Senior Economist Jennifer Lee, with us this morning. Always a pleasure. Appreciate it. And ahead of the cash open on Wall Street, Dow futures right now, they're 34 points higher. That's up a tenth of a percent. S&P E-mini futures, there are five points. That's up a tenth of a percent. The Nasdaq futures of 15 right now, a tenth of a percent higher. And as we look at the Wall Street fear gauge, slightly elevated. The VIX at 20.14. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. The Bloomberg weather from Rob Carolyn. Partly mostly sunny. The high temperature 85 in New York today. Tomorrow morning sun. Increasing afternoon clouds. High temperature 85 to 90 degrees. This is Bloomberg. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991. To Boston. Bloomberg 1061. To San Francisco. Bloomberg 960. To the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe. The Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. It's 6.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm John Tucker. And I'm Karen Moscow. We're just about three hours away from the open of U.S. trading. It's time for the five things you need to know to start your day. Brought to you by Interactive Brokers. Interactive Brokers, simple IBKR global trader app. Deposit in your local currency and trade stocks in the U.S., Europe, and Asia. Start your free trial at IBKR.com slash global trader. First, U.S. futures are higher this morning after the first down day for stocks in nearly a week. Markets are still digesting minutes from the latest Fed meeting. Lorene Gilbert, CEO of Wealth Wise Financial says there's uncertainty, but still a chance for solid returns. We do like small cap across the way, growth and value, because if you do believe that this is a bull market run, then we have the opportunity for small cap to continue to outpace. Lorraine Gilbert with Wealthwise says technical indicators show markets could sustain a bull run in the months ahead. And traders are waiting fresh economic data today. 8.30 a.m. Wall Street time, Labor Department releases the latest figures on jobless claims. We're also going to get existing home sales for July. That's at 10. 
And we turn to corporate news now, John, where tech giants Apple front and center. The company is aiming to unveil its new iPhone next month. Bloomberg's Renita Young joins us live with the details. Renita, good morning. Good morning, Karen. Bloomberg sources say Apple's big reveal of the iPhone 14 is expected to come on September 7th. The flagship product generates more than half of Apple's sales. And the update comes at a time when smartphone sales more broadly have started to slump as consumers cope with inflation and a shaky economy. The launch kicks off a busy fall product season for the tech giant, which will include multiple new Macs, low-end and high-end iPads, and three Apple Watch models. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Renita, thanks. We're getting more earnings reports today that will give us a sense of consumer strength. We're going to hear from big box retailer BJ's, Kohl's, and Estee Lauder. Now to geopolitics, John, where tensions with China remain front and center. The U.S. and Taiwan are set to start formal negotiations on a bilateral trade agreement. Bloomberg News correspondent Bruce Einhorn says talks are expected to start this fall. Where these go, I think it's a big question because on the one hand, there's really strong bipartisan support for Taiwan in the U.S. Congress. On the other hand, there's really not strong bipartisan support for any sort of trade deals in the U.S. Congress. What comes out of this remains to be seen. And Bloomberg's Bruce Einhorn says a bill in Congress that would upgrade U.S. relations with Taiwan could further inflame tensions. That's the five things you need to know to start your day, brought to you by Interactive Brokers. Again, futures are higher this morning. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports. And this is Bloomberg. All right, thanks, Karen. 6.33 on Wall Street. Time to bring in Michael Barr to tell us what else is going on in New York and around the world. John, thank you very much, sir. Four busloads of migrants who had crossed the border into Texas arrived in New York City yesterday. Texas Governor Greg Abbott has been sending migrants to New York and Washington, D.C., saying it's a crisis caused by the Biden administration. New York Mayor Eric Adams says Abbott is using the migrants as political pawns. Our team reached out to him when we first discovered of what he was doing, and we asked, let's coordinate, because crisis calls for coordination. Governor Abbott responded to Adams. When the mayor began complaining about just getting a small trickle of what Texas has to deal with all the time, I sent him a letter, and I invited him to come down to the border and see firsthand the chaos that exists in Texas. Governor Abbott and Mayor Adams appeared on ABC's Nightline. The head of the CDC acknowledged that her agency made mistakes in its response to COVID. Dr. Rochelle Walensky says it's time for an internal reorganization. She says it's a response to the notion that the agency is too focused on academic work and not nimble enough to respond to fast emerging diseases. We as an agency can and should move faster with our data. Dr. Walensky also says the agency needs to communicate better with the public. Rutgers University in New Jersey says face coverings will continue to be required in most indoor settings for the new school year. All students and employees are required to be fully vaccinated. The university cites the ongoing spread of the BA5 Omicron subvariant. A few days ago, New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy announced the state will no longer require weekly testing for unvaccinated schools. However, yesterday, Murphy said that he has no issue with the university's mandates. That's Rutgers' call, and and we said that school districts that choose to want to be to keep the uh, vaccine test in place are welcome to. My gut tells me there won't be many that do that. 
Governor Phil Murphy. Former Trump Organization CFO Alan Weisselberg is expected to plead guilty today in a New York City courtroom. According to the New York Times, as part of his plea deal, Weisselberg will admit to all 15 felonies he's accused of and may have to testify about his role in the scheme if the Trump Organization goes on trial. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. John. Michael, thank you. It is now 6.36 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Good morning, John Stashower. Good morning, John. Only twice in Yankee history had they won a game on an extra inning grand slam when they were trailing by three runs. Jason Giambi did it. So did Babe Ruth. And it happened 10th inning last night. And 0-1 to Donaldson. Swung on, hit in the air to right, toward the line. That ball is going to be gone. It's a grand slam, a walk-off grand slam to win the game. Josh Donaldson powered one down the right field line into the seats. It's a grand slam. WFAN had to call Donaldson's eighth career walk-off homer, but first since 2015. And talk about a much-needed 8-7 win. Yankees, of course, have been struggling mightily. They trailed Tampa Bay 4 to nothing after rallying the tie. They fell behind 7-4 to in the 10th. Donaldson been a disappointment this season. That's one reason why the Yanks just called up 23-year-old Oswaldo Cabrera. He played third base, went 0 for 4 in his debut. Donaldson was the DH. Yanks also called up Esteban Florial to play center field. So they had two guys in the lineup with jersey numbers 90 and 95. The Mets also just called up a new third baseman and 22-year-old Brett Beatty homered in Atlanta. First time he had swung the bat in the majors. Fifth Met to homer in his first at-bat. Mets went on, beat the Braves 9-7. to Two home runs for Starling Marte. Max Scherzer got the win. He's 9 and two, and Jacob DeGrom goes tonight as the Mets try to get a split of the series. WNBA playoffs, the Liberty won game one from Chicago. NBA schedule is out. The Knicks open up October 19th in Memphis. The Nets will host New Orleans. Venus Williams hasn't won the U.S. Open over 20 years. She's accepted a wild card to play in what's going to be the final tournament for her sister. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. John. All right, John, thanks very much. That brings us to 638 on Wall Street. Let's wrap up yesterday's uh, Fed Minutes, the release of those Fed Minutes. Take a look at the day ahead for markets. And for that, we're joined by Bloomberg International Economics and Policy Correspondent Michael McKay. What's going to happen in markets today? No, I'm just kidding. They're going to go up or they're going to go down. <laughs> so the I, Fed I can't minutes, be wrong, right? I'm trying to assess whether they're dovish or otherwise uh, hawkish, the, the Fed minutes from yesterday. Um, this is not going to be a, a, a popular view, but I'm going to argue that it doesn't really matter because let me take you back in well, history. You're no fun. To the, to the, through the mists of history, all the way back to July 27th when the Fed met and Jay Powell came out in his news conference afterwards and said that the Fed was really worried about inflation and would keep to raising interest rates and get above neutral probably by the end of the year and that, uh, yeah, there was a concern that, um, they might go too far, but they're a long way from that. Uh, basically, he was saying what the minutes said. <laughs> and uh, So three weeks later, the fact that the minutes confirm that don't tell us a whole lot because uh, the minutes say the Fed officials were, worry, were, were seeing signs that the economy was slowing down and some tentative signs that the labor market was finally starting to ease. And then after that, we had that blowout jobs report for the month of July. They were worried that inflation was out of control and really, really high. And then we had 
the uh, the CPI report that showed inflation had cooled in the month of July. So the data have changed the situation on the ground since the minutes came out, and I don't think you can make a whole lot in terms of a trading decision on what the minutes say. You have to look at where we are right now and uh, what Fed officials are saying right now. If only there were some opportunity for them to come out and speak between now and the September 21st meeting. What you just said was that nobody knows. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and that is more true than ever uh, in the, within the context of whether we're talking about a 50 basis point move or a 75 basis point move. I don't think there's any question that they are going to raise rates in September, and I don't think there's really any debate about whether it should be 25 basis points unless we get some sort of uh, really terrible jobs report coming up uh, in the first week of September. But 50 or 75, a lot's going to depend on the data between now and then and whether they feel the uh, economy needs another sharp jolt or whether they just need to sort of keep the pressure on. All right. Um, what is it? A week after Friday is um, Jackson Hole? Got 10 seconds left. <laughs> yeah. Your bag's uh, all Jackson, packed. Jackson Hole is a week from tomorrow. Yeah. And uh, something's going to happen there? Something's going to happen there. We'll, we'll find out. <laughs> Stocks will go up or stocks will go down. <laughs> Bloomberg International Eka, you heard it here first. Economics and policy correspondent Michael McKee. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. And futures right now, they're in the green. The Dow futures up 45 points. That's up a tenth of a percent. S&P E-mini futures, seven points higher. And the NASDAQ futures right now, 19 points higher. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. And U.S. stock index futures, they are a little changed to higher this morning. We go to the first word breaking news desk for today's morning call. Here's Bill Maloney. Bill, good morning. And good morning, Karen. That's right. U.S. futures are quiet right now. With Dow futures up 27 points, SBs gained three, while NASDAQ futures are up by five. The U.S. 10-year yield at 2.88%. Gold is up eight. Oil is in the green. And Bitcoin is trading higher by half a percent. Japan fell 1% overnight, while European markets are trading in the green. And back in the U.S. on the economic front at 8.30, initial jobs claims and Philly Fed. At 10 o'clock, look for existing home sales. And after the bell last night, Cisco gave an upbeat outlook. Stock is up 5% in the pre-market. And regarding some of the earnings this morning, Estee Lauder beat estimates. And look for Kohl's to report in the pre-market. Wrapping things up, First Solar was raised to equal weight over at Morgan Stanley. Live from the First of Breaking News Desk, I'm Bill Maloney. Karen? All right, Bill, thanks to hear live breaking news over your Bloomberg type squawk on your terminal, S-Q-U-A-W-K. That's a Bloomberg business flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Cameron, thank you very much. A group of media organizations urged a Florida judge to release most of an FBI affidavit that helped the Justice Department obtain a search warrant for former President Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago resort. The DOJ says the document must remain sealed to protect the investigation. 
The U.S. and Taiwan will start formal talks on a trade and economic initiative following through on a long-planned promise to deepen ties amid opposition from China. In baseball, the Yankees won with a dramatic grand slam against the Rays, 8-7 in 10 innings. The Mets beat the Braves, 9-7. The Red Sox and A's won. The Nationals, Orioles, and Giants lost. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Karen. Thank you. 649 on Wall Street. We turn to news and science and technology now with a Bloomberg NJIT STEM report brought to you by New Jersey Institute of Technology. NJIT makes industry-ready engineers in more than 20 fields. If it's engineering, it's at NJIT. Learn more at NJIT.edu. And here's what's making news in science, technology, engineering, and math. COVID-19 survivors remain at higher risk of ongoing psychotic disorders and dementia for at least two years, according to a study in Lancet Psychiatry. It found cognitive deficits like brain fog, seizures, and epilepsy remained elevated 24 months later. More than $4.8 billion has been pumped into the electric vehicle charging industry this year. Some of the biggest rollouts this year include a $1 billion announcement by BP and Iberdrola for 11,000 fast chargers across Europe and a $650 million investment across the U.S. by BlackRock, Daimler Truck, and Next Era Energy Resources. And Johannesburg-based food maker Tiger Brands will install solar power at four manufacturing sites by early next year. It's part of a rollout to reduce the company's dependence on South Africa's state-owned electricity firm, which has subjected the country to rolling blackouts since 2008. Tiger Brands also hopes to reach net zero greenhouse gas emissions by 2050. That's the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. John. Thanks, Karen. We're live for the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios, where it is now 6.51 on Wall Street. And it's time to check what's going on in D.C. Some of the top stories in our nation's capital include the Trump warrant judge being urged to release most of the FBI affidavit. Rudy Giuliani appears before the Georgia grand jury in the election probe. U.S.-Taiwan trade talks, they kick off in a long-planned counter to China. The Biden freeze on oil and gas leasing reinstated for now. And finally, how a Bloomberg reporter's family escaped the Taliban. Let's take a deeper dive into these stories this morning with Bloomberg Washington correspondent Anne-Marie Hordern, who joins us now. What's the latest in uh, the uh, the Trump warrant uh, for the uh, search warrant for Mar-a-Lago, whether or not uh, the details are going to be released? Right. So we're waiting for the affidavit. Potentially, there's going to be a hearing about this in Florida today. This Florida judge who released the uh, warrant. There's been a number of media organizations filing these requests to have them release the FBI affidavit that then helped the Justice Department obtain that search warrant. We've also heard from the Trump camp. Trump on Truth Social said, yes, release the affidavit, but they had not signed a request. But we do know from last week that the DOJ feels that this is not the appropriate step forward. They think uh, it could potentially hurt the investigation. Um, and if there was to be even one that was redacted, it wouldn't even be worth sending. But really, media companies say that the public has a clear and powerful interest. So all eyes are going to be on this hearing at 1 p.m. to find out potentially if this document will remain under seal and protection of the investigation, or we get more infos. This is the roadmap to why they went in to Mar-a-Lago to retrieve those documents. 
And there are two important things at stake here, that whether or not you could jeopardize an actual investigation and then mm-hmm. the public's right to know the transparency surrounding it's all that. difficult line. Yeah. Um, the former mayor um, of New York City appearing before a grand jury in the election probe. What do we know out of that? I mean, grand jury proceedings are secret. Right. So we don't know a lot. Hours behind um, being questioned yesterday, part of this grand jury proceeding, um, the New York Times are reporting that the lawyer for Giuliani, though, declined to say whether he answered any of the questions. So we don't actually know much of what was asked and what the former mayor was willing to give. Um, Let's move on to (laughs) Taiwan trade talks with the United States. I I get the sense that somebody's just really trying to get China really angry here. But uh, the, these are probably nothing new. I mean, we, we knew this was going to happen, right? It's not nothing. It's, it isn't anything new. We knew this was coming out. This is official now, talking about when they're going to start. Um, the formal talks on this trade and economic initiative, they have been long planned. So we know that we'll have the first talks in early this fall. The timing, though, as you say, is interesting because obviously China is very upset with the United States. The United States has what China would say provoked Beijing, given what we have seen in terms of Speaker Pelosi's visit and then Senator Ed Markey's visit. So the Ministry of China Affairs is now warning the U.S. against doing any deal that could imply Taiwanese sovereignty. So what they're saying is that even these talks or how they handle any trade relations, they must respect China's core interests. So potentially this fuels some of the fire and rhetoric we've seen between Washington and and Beijing. But all in all, these talks, they're not very substantive in the sense that very much so in Washington, you have Congress, the White House. Um, there is a lot of talk about wanting to support Taiwan, but there's not a lot of talk of people wanting lots of free trade deals. And let me wrap up with this story. Um, I think it was in Business Week, how a Bloomberg reporter's family escaped the Taliban. Amory, you wrote this story, and uh, it's an emotional read. Um, just in the two minutes we have, uh, sum this up for everybody. Yeah, well, I, I would love if everyone read, went and read the story. Um, it is, it was emotional too when we were doing this, but I and a group of other individuals at Bloomberg, really with the hundred percent with the support of Bloomberg, were able to help a friend and colleague based in London, one of our colleagues' family. Uh, escape Afghanistan. And this was after, of course, the fall of Kabul, which the U.S. is marking one year this week. And for me, really, to write this piece, so much of it was because even though this family had a tremendous amount of support, it was so obvious that I witnessed firsthand how difficult it is to be a refugee and the crisis just continues to get worse worldwide, especially now with Ukraine. We've passed over 100 million refugees. It's more than 1% of the global population. And there's lots of no's. There's lots of false hopes um, as you go through this process. And many Afghans are still living in limbo, not sure if they're going to be able to start a life. Because what is going on in Afghanistan now since the fall of the country is just very dark. Uh, women are being sent back home. Girls after the grade six cannot go to school anymore. 
They have to dress like they did in the 1990s when the Taliban was in charge, which is head-to-toe burkas. Burkas, they cannot go out to the market or anywhere in public without a male chaperone. So for women and girls, it's I've realized it's such a central issue talking to experts who even think that maybe the Taliban could even get some of their funds unlocked or international aid, more support, if they were to start to change in terms of how they are ruling. And many say that has to do with human rights, and at the core of that is women's rights. And our colleague, we should say, is safe and sound with this family at this point? Our colleague is still working in London, and he works for Bloomberg Television, and his family is in Greece. But, yes, they reunited. I watched them reunite, uh, which was incredibly emotional, but also uh, amazing to watch uh, that all this work uh, the company put into reuniting them, that it was, it was able to happen and come to fruition because there's many times that you're going through this process that you really doubt that you're going to get there in the end. Everybody should read that story, How a Bloomberg Reporter's Family Escaped the Taliban. Amory, great job. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Um, Amory Hordern, you can read more about these stories again on the Bloomberg, uh, Bloomberg.com, Bloomberg Terminal. Reminder, you can follow all the latest on Bloomberg Radio in Washington. That's Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. Ahead of the open on Wall Street, futures in the green. The Dow futures up 31. S&P E-mini futures four points higher than NASDAQ futures. They were up five points. The VIX, the volatility index, just slightly elevated, back over 20, 20.21. The 10-year yield at 287, down two basis points. You've been listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. I'm John Tucker, along with Karen Moscow. Just ahead, Bloomberg Surveillance. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.